take two middle-aged men who happen to be cousins and share a common codependency on movies, put them in a room, and tell them to talk about anything film-related. The result? An existential exposition of cinematic synergy we call The Finleys on Film. What's your notion? Uh, well, yeah, this. A beer? A beverage of some kind. Mm-hmm. And that was like that's the thing. That was like a father. thing that I did with my dad. And you can still do it. You know? I know I can. But here's the thing that's a little bit mm-hmm. of a bummer. Is well, that's that if there was a downside to not having kids on my own, it's mm-hmm. that dad on your own. Of my own. Okay. So on yeah. my own. Sorry. Well, on my own is much more likely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. You crawl up like sea monkeys. I have nobody to pass that shit on to. You know, <laughs> so they so don't burn to, the sheets. I have to count on <laughs> poor sheets. I have to count on Chuck to pass that along, and you know, but 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 it's just like the, the, but Dan was a kind of a guy who made like cool little traditions, mm-hmm. and I no, and I'm not passing them on. It's kind of it's a little bit of a bummer when yeah. I think about it that way. What's look, what, what traditions do you think I need passing on though? Well, come on, that's a good one right there. Huh? Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. So it makes me nostalgic <laughs> and happy. Fuck you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of nostalgic and happy. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> doing our it. show. I, I kind of forgot that we were doing a show. And we were just rambling on about ourselves, I suppose. Matter. Just ah. rambling on <laughs> about ourselves. Hey, everyone. Guys, can we complain too hard about that criticism? Welcome to, uh, yeah, we can in a minute. Welcome oh, to okay. the Finleys on Film. Finleys on Film. So Hello, Mr. Finley. weren't sure that you were listening to Finleys on Film. You are listening to Finleys on Film. And we are going to be talking about Finley. And your Art Carney, and all your Art Carney needs will soon be met. Okay, yeah, so before we talk about that, we got a little <laughs> criticism. And uh, I don't know why. I always thought I, I'm, I'm pretty good at receiving criticism but i you know what actually i was listening to a podcast recently and it's a podcast that i think just spends its time critiquing other podcasts so mm-hmm. i have no idea why i was listening to it except that i was interested to see what um someone was doing and and i hate they were going to critique someone i really dislike uh-huh. and they went through the podcast and they were on point and most of their criticisms and then it seemed like they ran out of time mm-hmm. and they were criticizing things that we do uh-huh and of course, I felt defensive about them. Like this guy who's talking about this podcast. This guy, he's doing a podcast in a bar, but just between him and his friends. What's the point of being in the bar? <laughs> and I was like, well, I don't know. And he was saying that the guy made all kinds of local references to his neighborhood in New York. And it's uh, like it, podcasts aren't like local radio shows. And I thought, but I like that. I like exactly when people do that. What they are. Yeah. Well, I in like. Sense, yeah. So. so we got some criticism recently for rant for our Art Carney episode of um, for rambling on. But that's kind of what ourselves. we do. Well, the, yeah. It, yeah, I mean, the thing is, if you don't like that, I totally understand why you'd find us disinterested for eight minutes at the beginning of, of every episode. I kind of yeah. do it with Mark Marin. I'll, I'll skip past his, mm-hmm. his initial thing sometimes. Sure. I get it. Sure. But that is what we do. Well, it is what we do. I have, you know, Yeah, that being said, I have to say, like, <laughs> my, my mm-hmm. first thought is this. Well, my first thought is, well, this, she's not wrong. We did go off. But but the other one yep. is, is, like, what kind of weird Jones do you have for Art Carney trivia? That was a weird one, right? <laughs> it was really kind of a weird Get to the Art Carney immediately. <laughs> like, if they just said, like, well, get to the movie you know that would get to you know get to get to the movies before the rambling yep. i would have gotten that but like, it's admittedly art carney seemed like something this person was a little addicted to currently celebrating hey, three man, minutes you got right some now sweet art carney bra of rambling on well at ourselves. least minimum let's keep going that's fucking <laughs> awesome you know who rambled is, on this is a good transition hold on huh. who rambled on in 1943 well who did that was greer garson when she won the uh best actress award best for mrs miniver, miniver 1942 and it is it stands today as the longest acceptance speech Five minutes, uh, 31. Oh, or someone seconds else or does research. Like mm, a little oh, research Wikipedia, Wikipedia <laughs> helps us, baby. Anyway, so, so we're talking about Greer Garson today, and I, I, I'm going to start by saying I think Greer Garson is um, 
a better version or the first and better version of Susan Hayward. A more likable version for me. She's I, she's something else. I mean, put it this way. I'm, I really don't know her very well. I know these two movies that we saw. Mm-hmm. And she comes across as a type. Like, she's like oh, yeah. the, the jolly, matronly British lady. She's like the just, she's like the... Everything you need in a British woman to like. She's she can turn on a, likeable. a little bit of sex appeal yeah. um, and and make you confused yeah, about your sexuality. Yeah. Or Wait. she can be a little bit, she's like super prim and proper, but she yeah. can sass your, she can sass your balls A little too. bit and yeah. she can dress it up and yeah. she's, but she doesn't play off, she's definitely not playing off as being a sexable, which is interesting because no. she was one of the top grocers of like the mid 40s. But she also started pretty late. Like she wasn't like mm-hmm. a young sex symbol at all at this point. Like she started yep. acting at all when she was 27. That Fucking, you're kidding me! And then she was like, so, so, so. By the time we're watching her in movies, she's like, in, she's like in her early 30s or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. And had a great, you know, had a great run. Like she had like five nominations for Academy Award, one win. It just chooses a powerhouse. I think her know? first film was Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Yeah, which you know won uh, Robert Donay the Best Actor Award. And it was a huge film, contender yeah. that year, and she yeah. was nominated. So yeah, I mean, it's every once in a while, and there are modern examples. I just can't think of any, but that where. Somebody is immediately a classic star. Yeah, you know. Well, she's she's utterly likable. I think is yeah, I think her totally. trick is is that she's incredibly likable. She's not the sexiest woman in Hollywood by any stretch of the imagination. I suppose, but she's not really Hollywood. She's she's British. Well, but she's British, but she was doing Hollywood movies. She was yeah. I guess Metro so. Golden uh, yeah. Mayor, Mayor discovered, discovered her and brought her, her into movies. So. Yeah, but look, think of the type. Of, this is this is this whole sort of like series of films. See, uh, it, fucking now we get a jet airplane that's talking about. I don't it, give so. a shit. God damn it, jet! I don't give a shit. Fly on, motherfucker, <laughs> with your with your chemtrails. <laughs> Um, what I mean, the thing about that period of time, so it's like you got like Rebecca, mm-hmm. the Hitchcock thing for with Olivier. They you have one. like um, uh, Mrs. Miniver. You have David Lean's um, uh, in which we serve. We have like probably the first and maybe best um, version of um, uh, Dickens' um, fucking old lady in the house. I forget the name of it. Oh, a uh, great expectations. Great expectations. And there's a very, if, if not always British or Welsh. Oh, how green was my valley? Jesus, man, that's a fucking green ass valley. Well, yeah. So, so you have all these films that are like kind of quiet. It was almost like like um, mm-hmm. um, early like HBO or AMC series level good writing and you know like good, mature. Yeah, good writing. Very mature. Nothing, nothing like yeah. There's no there's no car chases or anything like that. So in no. a sense, it's just kind of like an after like an after school. There's an after school specially vibe almost. What? Well, we just said it's two just, separate things. It's right? like it's there's there's a comfort in these movies. That well, we're but it's about but here. the but they're but they're stately. I, I guess what I'm saying yeah, is the same person yeah. who takes the risk to watch Down, Downton Abbey also will um you know back in 1941 take the risk for these movies. Right. And she's perfect for them because she's stately she and she's matronly but she's beautiful and she's likable and she's yeah. a little bit like below the surface she could be a little risque Tigress or funny or Tigress in bed. You oh, well, certainly that. Yes, certainly that. So, so we we start with the. <laughs> so the kitty cat. Okay. So both films are from '42, but this one is technically first, and it's it's 1942's Mrs. Miniver. Mrs. Miniver. And this is the one that you know got all this attention, and and I had not seen it in years and years and years, and I remember the first time I saw it, the only other time I saw it, feeling like it was a little bit of effort. It was a little. Dry, a little too trying to be what it is, but right. this time what's interesting about it is I, I feel like it's a film that has two halves. I'm going to start with the following observation and, and just sort of you can run with whatever you want. But oh. you know, when we did the Art Carney episode and we were talking about 1977's The Late Show and Robert Benton's you know commentary on, on being a writer and a director, mm-hmm. he cited William Wyler, the director of Mrs. Miniver, and producer, as someone who was always willing to sacrifice plot for character. And right. I'm going to say that this film has. 
an important subplot in terms of that point in history, 1942. Yes. Yeah. But I'm going to say that it, it really is not much of a plot at all. It is the exploration of, well, it even says at the beginning, like the average, like, yep. like uh, English family. So I think it's very, very character driven. And she and Walter Pigeon are interesting yes. character drivers. Yes, they are. And ahead, uh, Well, you know, okay, so just to back it up really quickly, and it's one of the things you, you were talking about, how it was a British production. Yep. I was like, no, it's Hollywood. But it was a Hollywood production that felt like a British production, So this sure. would be like, kind of like Suspicion with Joan Fontaine yeah. and, and Cary Grant. Yes, same so, I mean, thing. it feels like a British thing. Yep. And it's it's very obviously... Uh, as you said, it's a character. It's character driven, but it's all, yeah. it's essentially a, it's a propaganda. It's propaganda. It's a oh, propaganda yeah. film, right? And of course, it talks about like the the average person in England. And I'm pretty sure uh, that's not what the average person well, is. Fucking, see, that's... I'm pretty sure they didn't have a, like a, like a country issue state and a fucking and a maid or two. Well, that's the thing, right? That's that's why it's it's propaganda from that from their own point of view yeah. about the war. Yeah. But but you know, looking back seventy years later, the propaganda for I mean, I'm sorry to sound like such a leftist sort of you know Leninist here or something, but but for the sort of like upper class, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, several things happen. There's this, there's this, they're on the brink of war in this little village right. outside of London. Mm-hmm. Um, the class system is just raging it's English rampant. style. Yes, yes. Um, and, and their first sort of commentary on it is to have their um, sort of like 19 year old, like philosophy major son come home. Come home, and, comes home from Oxford. And assert he's that, got a big boner. <laughs> that he sees a he's class a system in the world and mm-hmm. everyone, like Walter Pigeon does this classic, like, ho, 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 ho. Okay, oh, laddie. Yeah, and everyone just sort of makes fun of him, but the film kind of makes fun of him. Yeah, because the film is all about, it, you know, the, the the two halves. The one half is is sort of it's a little bit of drag, actually. The sort of like a little too stately English upper class mm-hmm. family who's so happy in their English life despite right. troubles with the old biddy down the road. Yeah. And the second half is them involved in war, and somehow the film trying to make the point that. War equalizes all of us in the yes. end. And it's like, it doesn't. They're, oh, they're as classist during war as they were <laughs> before the war. But it's England, our England, my friend. Our England, Colonizers. right or wrong. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it feels like that. Yeah. So, so that's that's the premise we're given, and of course, we're given a really apt director, and we're given good, great co-stars like good Walter Pigeon. I forget the guy who's always everyone knows him as Clarence from It's a Wonderful Life, <laughs> but he showed up in both of our films. Today. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Um, God love him. And and but but you know clearly she gets the first billing. Yep. Rick Garson. It's like yep. her fourth or fifth film, and and she clearly that's amazing is, when you think about it. Four or five totally. films in totally totally be leading. What eventually becomes an Oscar winner, like an important movie for that time. Yeah, so it's like it's it's they're constrained, I think, by a project that's sort of morally or philosophically flawed. It's it, from where we stand. From, from where, where we, we stand. From where we are. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you might say that that's that's a timeless sort of conversation that's happening, right. identity and, and class and all that sort of stuff. But flawed by the fact that flawed by the fact that World War II was really the de- like in a sense the death of a lot of that portion of the class system. And they, oh, okay. That's in no way portrayed in this. This is all about the maintenance yeah. of the empire. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm talking philosophically in the sure. back. That's the background noise of what we're hearing here. Mm-hmm. You know. But um, but but so competently put together. So well, well okay. So that's the thing. Yeah, given the constraints, it's like they do an admirable job. I yeah. Mean, the the son is, I think, a good actor. Um, mm-hmm. Is it Teresa Wright, who yeah, who and she kind of made a great. career out of this type of movie in. Um, uh, uh, since you went away mm-hmm. in 1944, and the best years of our lives, 46, about sort of like the uh, cultural effects of, of war on community. Right, 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 right. And um... <laughs> <laughs> shut the fuck up. Well, there's a couple of things. Like, like one of the things that, that is flawed is you, 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 you like you can be lulled into a sense of it not being like you can forget it's a, a propaganda film for yep. a little while. Mm-hmm. 
And then we find the German the German pilot. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Now the <laughs> second part of the film, like, wow, he's he would eat a baby right now. Like, well, Walter Pigeon is off leading time, leading right? the boats around uh, around the Dunkirk yeah, the excursion, Dun- the miracle of Dunkirk on right. his own time, and then and Mrs. Miniver Greer Garson is faced during wartime. With the German soldiers, who she essentially captures. The German pilot, yeah, that, 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 that uh, yeah, she captures him essentially. Yeah, calls I mean, the police. He captures her at first, but as he's as he's he, being held, uh, driven away in handcuffs, he's shouting at her, "We will kill all women and children. We will, I will wear your baby for shoes." It's a little like a oh, moment of Eisenstein's Alexander Davinsky yeah, condensed uh, into like a minute and a half. Yeah. <laughs> hey? Wow. Uh, Sorry. Wow. Am I off on that one? Um, I'll go with you. Okay. I, I see where you're going there. Yeah, so so you it's know, just fucking ridiculous. But 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 the the fucking German, they're, they're all just hateful swine, all of them. So no, but in the middle of it, it's like you have things that that do are not constrained. So you mm-hmm. have Teresa Wright, um, and by the way, half the actors speak with an American accent. The other half, of yeah, British, they don't yeah, pay yeah. any attention yeah, to that. Go. But you have uh, Teresa Wright, um, sort of falling, being an independent thinker mm-hmm. and woman and sort of falling for their son. Yes. Vin. Vin. Short for Vincent. Um, everyone's, everyone's got a shortened name because yeah. they're all homie and cool. All right. And and he's an idealist. And so so there's this sort of like um, idealism is taking the place for the younger generation of the class system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so to some degree, I have to admit, the film does deal with and that concept a of that. she's a member of the upper class. She's a member yep. of the upper class. He's a member of the, I guess, middle class in this yeah. case. Which could still be looked down with quiet contempt by the upper Yeah, and, and they bludgeon you with, with I mean, there's this a rose metaphor that, that just never ends. You know, the, the sort of like the, the street sweeper or conductor who has a rose, he's going to, you know, enter the competition. Right. How he's, named it after, he's named it the Mrs. Miniver Rose. And it's going to go our... against the old sort of dowager down the road who's yeah. got her. And it's, it's like, oh... You know, it's just sort of a the silly. Lady. She's the lady of the, of the Baron Air, whatever the fuck it was. Yeah, at one point. but it certainly is competent, and it's like I guess I I, I would thank um, William Wyler for that, and I would thank Rick Garson because they center this film. Go ahead. I want to thank somebody else for for taking like the very you sound like her speech. That interesting... You'd like to, I'd like to thank one. <laughs> Uh, let me let me music you off, Don. I'm not going to pay attention to that. <laughs> Go Fuck ahead. You. All right. No, I I want to thank whoever took the time to sort of break like the obvious. Okay, so the obvious thing was that the you know somebody was so the young couple gets married. Uh-huh. There's going to be a this. They're at war, mm-hmm. and he's in the RAF. Yep. So you're like, oh, he's going to fucking that guy. Oh fucking. yeah, don't say what happens. I'm not. I don't want to. Yeah. But I, but I want to point out that that twist is a nice twist. It didn't feel like a twist. It actually felt like a it, thoughtful. Yeah, you know, piece like of writing. somebody put it together and said like, let's do the unexpected. Expected here and make that happen. I was fucking impressed by that. The camera work is um, uh, solid, but not inventive. No, no, N- nothing, nor is the lighting or anything else. The music, no. it's set. Just... No, nothing is. Nothing, everything is is competent. The acting is, I think, kind of what carries this movie. And the writing. And the writing. It, it reminds me a little bit of the. Have you read, ever read the novella uh, "The Moon Is Down"? Oh I mean, yeah, I mean it's not a parallel story, but it's got like similarities yeah, to yeah. it, right? Yeah, yeah. And it, it that kind of if you're John a fan Steinbeck, of Steinbeck. And, and you like his pacing mm-hmm. in, in shorter novellas like that? That could be the pacing that you find in this film. Okay, yeah, I'll go with you. I'll give it. I'll give it a thumbs up. I have some criticisms, but I'll definitely give it a thumbs up. Oh, definitely worth watching. A yeah. big English thumbs up. A colonizing thumbs up. It is. <laughs> Run your bum, governor. Apologies to our English listeners. <laughs> Both of them. Um. So now that now having said that, 
I'm going to go into 1942 also, Random Harvest. I'm second, say movie, this. second movie, Random Harvest. I'm going to just front load it by saying this. Mrs. Miniver is probably a better film, but Random Harvest is a film There's I just a better love. Film. Yeah. I love Random Harvest. I, did too. I always have. Did too. It made, it, it it's fucking, silly. It teared me up at the end. Yes. <laughs> so I got all like, <laughs> it's an insane it's, film. Uh, it's it's an it an should affair. be called it's Random a, Film. It's a British Affair to Remember. <laughs> Uh, but not as go not as easy cohesive not, or coherent. Easy. Yeah, oh, it's so. Oh, it's, oh, it's First a, of all, opposite of William Wyler's like um, um, you know perfectly fine job, it is inventive. Yes. I mean the lighting, the sort of the mood, mm-hmm. the stylization of this mm-hmm. film. You have Ronald Coleman, who I'm, who I'm anxious to do an episode at some point. Sure, um, Ronald Coleman's like um, good looking. He's just he's, a classically British good looking guy. <laughs> but he also has always. Um, a kind of vulnerability to him that yeah. doesn't seem phony. Like he's kind of yeah. making, he's in on the joke a which little is bit. Not, which is not typical of your British actors. No. And I like to point out that like, he's, so bra- he's so practically like a, like a beautiful British middle-aged guy yep. that he, when he shows up, when he shows up and see, like with his rich family at one point, mm-hmm. when he first appears there, everyone there is sort of halfway, all the guys sort of halfway look like him. And are looking at him. Yeah, yeah. They're, 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 British bulge. Yeah. Wow. Jesus. He's on the left Joe, side of his pants. To, what do you have to take it there, brother? What do you have to take, take it there? Take it there. Nice, Tom. Oh, nice. Jesus. Anyways, but I'm saying, but like mm-hmm. they're all sort of classically yep. of, of a physical type. But Ronald Coleman, like you said, is a, yeah. he's just got something extra to him. Yeah, yeah. I'll say, yeah. He definitely pulls it off at the beginning of the movie, where I think he does some really pulls amazing. That's some great acting. Yeah, this God, now this. Damn the, it! What the fuck is wrong? With this you? screenplay. Sorry, I felt a little sexual. It's, it's heat. Ah, it's I, the heat. It's early June. Yeah, so. We live in Fresno, and let me tell you about the neighborhood. Um, the guy who wrote the screenplay was. You ever read the Lost Horizon? It's James Hilton. Uh, Hilton? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, He wrote the screenplay for this. And uh, oh. he had a relationship, I guess, I'm guessing, with, with Ronald Coleman on some level because he wrote, um, what's the, Shang- the Shangri-La? Uh, Lost Horizon. Sorry, Lost Horizon. Lost Horizon. You just talked about a second ago. What? Lost Horizon. Never mind. Just go. Just go. Just go. Oh. I didn't know Ronald Coleman was gay. I just, I, just, I just don't see that, I guess. Gay? Yeah. I didn't know he was gay either. Well, you just said he had a relationship with Hilton. I just said a... No, no, Tom. <laughs> you're you're jumping way halfway oh, into Jesus, things. Man. Yeah, no, no. I just said you're really penetrating the <laughs> the lost event horizon there. You oh. know that well, that mayor had a relationship with those actresses. He fucked them all. No, no. Um, Hilton and he had some. I'm imagining some sort of working relationship. A friendship. <laughs> okay, <laughs> a partnership. Wait a minute. No. Um, because uh, of Lost Horizon, which was an early Coleman success. Ah, uh, okay. All and right. by success, I don't mean anything gay. Uh-huh. It's uh, oh. <laughs> mm. uh, lost me. a diving watch. <laughs> Coherency is not your game, sir. All right. Coherency. It's a it's a word. Coherency. That was coherence. Anyways. Wow. Yeah, wow. This is fucking taking a horrible a, turn. Yeah. Anyways, hey, it's no about, about this movie. About <laughs> okay, this yeah. movie we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought was um, he. I thought he did a really fantastic job at the beginning. He had that right, that quality of uh, so the story. I mean, the beginning of the story. Uh, yeah, walks through it. He's a he's a World War One veteran. Uh, he's in an asylum. He's got he's got a severe case of PTSD. Yep. Doesn't remember his life and has a hard time talking. He has no confidence and he can't can't find his words or something uh-huh. like that. So um, and uh, he manages to break out of the asylum and finds Greer Garson, who uh, who turns out to be 
Maybe the most codependent human being ever depicted on a movie screen. Yeah, I mean, she God does. It, it, there's a lot of bad movies like um, um, the one with Helen Hunt and Jack Nicholson, where like you're willing to take a chance on uh, a crazy person. Right, and right. any of us who've had crazy people in our lives mm-hmm. know that that is not. But, a yeah, that is not how it works. Now, yeah. now on the other hand, Garson is show like it's, that likability is never more present than here, where she her likability her. Good cheer, her like her compassion comes through, and she just she takes a shine to this guy. She wants to help him, like that's that's her thing. Well, he's good looking and he's vulnerable. I mean, I think it's it's just a classic sort of trope, right? Yep, yep. And so she's there to fix that man. Well, okay, because she kind of does because he's he's escaped from the asylum because also he. uh, it, it looks like he may have accidentally killed somebody, which was sort of this minor. Do you remember that when he hits the guy in the? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so she's all, yeah, she's all about taking care of him, and and you know they profess their love for each other. Right, they go get like they go find a they go find a little Jane Eyre cottage in the middle of the fucking British countryside. Yes, no telling how the how the fuck he manages to have a nurse for the baby that they have, even I, though he's not making any money except for like two pence for writing an article. He writes a little articles and yeah, she manages to get along. It's it's, it's Miles away from down and out in what was it? That was the fucking George Orwell's down and out in. I didn't know he was gay. What? So um, the next thing they know is they Which have very a confused child. everybody. <laughs> they have a child together. Yes, they have a wee baby, and he's about to go off to like uh, Liverpool or something. Um, he goes to Liverpool for a job interview, and of course, what? Now here's where I think the movie it gets crazy. I mean, it gets ridiculous. It's laughable. Yes, a little bit. So it's fucking very Dickens here. Yes. At this point. Yeah, the, the, the absurd thing where he's not only he's like a peer of the fucking realm rich yep. kind of a guy. It's, I thought uh, Dickens or Thomas Hardy short stories. Yeah. Just okay. little, life's little ironies. Yeah. yeah. So, so he, gets hit by, he gets hit by a car. He regains his memories, loses his new ones that he's made since then. So, so he's, he's got re- like reverse amnesia or something. <laughs> Which I don't even know if that's possible. Who knows? It's very soap opera. Very one life uh, to live at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm with it. Yeah. Because I like him. Because he's completely compelling and so he goes back to his family who's rich he forgets all about his wife and baby he's totally left them <laughs> boom gone and so he is uh back to his so class system back to his class system mm-hmm. he's, he's he's wealthy he yeah. decides to in, you know invest in the business he yep. becomes a businessman he thought about being a writer because mm-hmm. he'd always wanted to do that but instead he goes in becomes a like a like a business a tycoon yep. right and, and takes over uh, the full the full family business. We c- cut forward a couple of years. He's got some weird, um, what's his uh, fucking, um, uh, some weird relationship with a with a younger woman who's not. Yeah, he just has a May a December cousin. or May October, you know, relationship. Yeah, but she's like sort of legally like his niece or something like that. By married into the family. So yeah, that's yeah, so. oh, that's a, it's called the Sunyi factor. Yeah, I was going to say Sunyi. <laughs> yeah, a little Woody Allen esque here. I don't think anyone blinked. No, no, and it was fine except that. Well, now here's another really plot in point. Love with her. Well, according to her, it's one of those things where some woman sees like some look in your eye and goes like, "Ah, he doesn't love me all the way," you know. Yeah, that kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah. so she pulls, so she calls it off. Which okay is another. So the fault number two of the film is like to make this film work. All of a sudden, she has to have the insight to let him go. Right, right. I mean, I think I if it were a Bronte novel, he would have married her, and they would just they would have worked their way through the complication a little more mm-hmm. muddily than that. And yeah, and but at the same time, well, I hate to point this out is I like this movie a lot. Yeah, that particular storyline doesn't actually add a shit ton to. The, they could have left that few, completely out. There's a bunch of things they could have left out. Yeah, and there's an important storyline. 
I think coming up, and you can if you want to override me and, and sort of tell the details, it's fine. But I think it's better not to tell the details, except to say this: Greer Garson has not forgotten about him. No, and she's on the search. And she, yes, she's on the search, and and she does find him, and then we'll let it go at that. And it's, yes, it gets really. She kills it gets, By the way, it gets really fucked up at that point. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I, yeah, let's not it's talk. A psycho, about, not it's psychologically say, interesting. It's fucking crazy, man. You know what? It's I just like, thought, this turned this turned from. I thought this was going to be just. Oh Jesus Christ! Straight yeah. love story. I remember <laughs> this took it into a dark, fucking dark, place, dark man. areas, yeah. man. Yeah, it gave us redemption at the end. I would say, but still, it was like it went to a dark motherfucking place. You know what I notice about her films is, and I don't know if she, if this is just coincidence or writers felt it played well to her, but there definitely are two halves to the films. I mean, of course, all films have two halves, but mm-hmm. this is like these films are more directly like what? How could we're we're on Mars and now we're on right. oh, Mercury? This, oh, you know, well, yeah, one thing I would have pointed out: there's almost like three or four movies in. This this one too, yep. like, you know, because there's the point. Like when he meets her, she's like in show business mm-hmm. for for no apparent reason except that she gets to go on stage yep. and do like a Scottish racist <laughs> song and dance joke number. Right, I forgot about that racist <laughs> Scottish number. Oh, it's she could dance. Oh, fuck it's Scots. Yeah, she she pulled that off. It was all right. But <laughs> but again, another thing that could have been left completely out of the goddamn movie it would have been fine. You know, it reminded me also. But of, it was um, fun. Uh, Michael Curtis, like um. Pa- um Passage to Marseille. No, not Passage to Marseille. What's the one where they have like 50 flashbacks? Passage to Marseille. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah, it, right? Yeah. yeah. Or it's like, let me tell you about the story, and then let me tell you about the story in the story. And yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, I enjoyed them both, I but I really it, enjoyed Random Art. I did too, because of that fucking that dark little corner of the It has a little bit of the theremin into. in it too, by the way. Jeanette. It's like, oh, just so. a tiny, tiny bit. Hmm, okay. Mm. No, it was fucking, God, that was a surprise. Again, I've never seen Greer Garson. These are the only two movies really? I think I've ever, well, that I knowingly have seen of her. I've never mm-hmm. seen How Green Is My Valley. i got to see that. One of oh, these days. Green, but, oh, and it's a valley. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but yeah, fuck. Great. Yeah. Goddamn. Good. All right. Really good movie. I, de- I I go with you on that one. I definitely recommend um, Random Harvest. Harvest. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> Which, by the way, sounds like sounds sounds like a detective novel or something. Mm, kind random of like Red Harvest. Harvest. Yeah, Red Harvest. Okay. Random Harvest. I guess. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> Made that connection. Shut your mouth. Yeah. And and um, Mrs. Why, why did you have to bring up the word gay? Jesus, Joe. <laughs> and Ms. Miniver. Yeah. Ms. Miniver was. Um, I'm gay for Random Harvest, but. Uh, this been a excellent, excellent movie as well. Two great, two movies I would totally recommend. Yeah, you have to be a little bit in the mood, I would say. Um, yeah, especially for, for Mrs. Miniver. Especially for Mrs. Miniver. Yeah, okay. Because yeah. Random Harvest has got enough surprise shit going on. It yep. keeps, it keeps, it, it compels you forward. Oh, yeah. it's really good. All right, so um, obviously we have uh, Patreon. Yes. Up, uh, possibility for you to become uh, a patron of ours mm-hmm. by joining Patreon at the $5 per month plus level. And if you do that, you will not only be supporting two guys who love to talk about movies. And each other. And, and argue our, and a little bit. <laughs> and, and talk to you way too much about us. Oh, uh, yeah. Ramble, ramble, ramble. <laughs> ramble. But also, um, you will have access to twice monthly secret Patreon um, episodes and uh, all the archives on the Patreon side, which is it's a growing, growing number of It is uh, indeed. Episodes. It's coming along very nicely. And rate and review us on iTunes and send us an email once in a while. We kind of dig those. And Tommy. And oh, comment, please comment. Negative or positive on Facebook and mostly, all that kind of stuff. Mostly negative. Check me out. Well, that seems to be it's going to work. Yep. Uh, and come check me out. Uh, TomSmithComedy.com is my website. Please pop in there. And I've he got will I think you're gay. I try to keep dates up. Go ahead. I try to keep dates updated on that. So, yeah, please check that out. And, uh, yeah, I like that. All right, guys. Tommy. We're in, we're out.